Hello and welcome to HipCast, the podcast here to improve hip fracture care. The Australian and New Zealand Hip Fracture Registry would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation as the traditional custodians of the land we live and work on and pay our respect to Elders past, present and emerging. I'm bringing you another Q&A in the uh, uh, ANZ Hip Fracture Registry series. Um, I'm uh, one of the co-chairs of the registry, Ian Harris, and with me today is Jack Bell. Now, Jack's a dietitian who's also a, a steering on the steering committee of the registry, and he works uh, at both University of Queensland and Prince Charles Hospital uh, in Brisbane. And Jack's going to talk to us about malnutrition in hip fracture patients. And um, Jack, you say that malnutrition in hip fracture patients is uh, sometimes unrecognised, it's undervalued and undertreated. Can you tell us a bit more about this, please? Yeah, sure, Ian. Thanks for the offer. Um, so basically, about one in two patients come into our units with malnutrition, and by the time they leave, almost two in three have got malnutrition. And less than half of our patients actually routinely meet their requirements for protein and energy. Um, despite this, we've done studies that show that patients and staff don't actually recognise that malnutritional poor intake's a problem or a priority for treatment. Now, that might come down to normalisation where we just think that that's the usual thing that happens. It could be that the screening tools don't work particularly well, especially when you've got patients that are already thin or might, might you know, think that they're doing okay when they're really not. Um, also, I guess I've always received referrals from people like yourself for the stick thin patients, but they're not actually my key target. So um, the ones who are overweight or well-nourished, um, or sorry, a, a healthy weight can now actually be um, quite malnourished and especially if they've got comorbidities. So making sure we're getting referrals for those patients is actually really important. Well, watch for this space, but we're just about to publish something called DOOM, which is di Diagnosis of Overweight or over obese malnutrition. Um, I guess the big black hole is in the community setting and we know a bit about what's going on in hospital, but we don't actually really know very much at all about what's going on in the community. So uh, it's worth saying now that at least having um, nutrition now in the core audit data set, it's fantastic and it'll go a long way to overcoming the unrecognized status. Yeah, it's interesting that, that you know, you can be normal weight and, or overweight and still be malnourished. Um, and that's something that I, I tend not to think about. So I guess that's, that's the unrecognised bit. So what do you mean when you say, though, that it's undervalued? Okay, so, well, I guess a while back, we, we published something talking about barriers to nutrition intake in patients with hip fracture and the time to treat malnutrition as a disease and food as a medicine. I guess the classic quote from that study was um, from one of our key nurses who noted that we're forgetting the basics. It's all about the bling bling kind of things. Now, we know malnutrition is the strongest predictor, of more, well, one of the strongest predictors of morbidity, mortality, length of stay and treatment costs. A lot of studies have shown that. And DOOM, which I mentioned before, actually has an odds ratio of more than 10 for mortality at 12 months if you're overweight and obese versus well, um, obese and well-nourished. So, and another study we've done shows that it doesn't really mat matter what sort of surgery you're doing, Ian. It's actually whether they're malnourished or not that's going to impact on their time to mobilisation, on their 12-month mortality, and a lot of other factors in between. So, I kind of wonder why we're still interrupting lunch to, uh, and, and doing things. Um, I'm wondering why health services balk at routinely prescribed supplements that only cost a couple of bucks when we're 
spending thousands of dollars on tests that probably aren't even required. But again, to finish on a positive though, it is great to have nutrition in the, in the ANZ hip fracture registry guidelines and the audit. So what, what can we do? What, what are some of the enablers that, can, um, that we can lean on to improve things here? Yeah, okay. So um, really good question. I think the first thing is, is that nutrition assessment and care of older patients with fragility fracture is complex and malnutrition is a wicked problem. But I'd like to say that the answer is probably simple. And let me explain that. Simple is an acronym and it can stand for a few things, but one of them is S for screening. If we make sure we screen well, um, and for hip fracture, the screening is they've got a hip fracture, so they're at risk. You don't need to worry about any other tools. If they've got a hip fracture, they're not going to eat enough and they're likely to be, be malnourished. Full stop, that's the end of screening. The I then is interdisciplinary assessment. So why wait for a dietitian? It can be part of the admission routine. You could get your registrars to do that straight up and you can get the dietitians help train that. Hats off to our colleagues across the ditch. They're actually doing some great work in this space at the moment. Um, M for make the diagnosis count. So if, if you, for example, Ian, um, diagnose someone with, someone with malnutrition, make sure that you take the time to explain to the patient that they've got it um, and what the treatment options might look like. P is then leading on from this, which is planning with the patient. And this is often overlooked in nutrition care. We just start doing stuff. We might write them up for a supplement or something, but the patient has no idea that they're malnourished and no idea why they have to drink this drink. And if they don't like the flavour, then they go, well, I don't like it, but they'll still keep taking their heart tablets, which they might not particularly like either. The L stands for implementing interventions. And again, why wait for a specialist dietitian to see them after a week when by that time they've burnt the last of their quads? We already know that um, relying on specialist dietitian in patient care doesn't work nearly as well as getting the whole team on board. So get the whole team on board from the get-go. Now, let me just be clear on that. Supportive nutrition care is actually everybody's accountability. So start nutrition care from the get-go. Don't just make a referral to the dietitian. And then E stands for evaluating ongoing care requirements. And that's why I'm sitting out here. It's really important that we start looking outside the four walls of the hospital and, and looking to what happens when patients go home or even in primary prevention and secondary fracture clinics to actually stop them getting into our hip fracture units to start with. That's great. I like some of those ideas. I like the idea of making it you know, everyone's responsibility. It's a, it's a whole team responsibility. You don't just hand it off and wait for the dietitian to come around. It's a bit like physiotherapy. I mean, we can help mobilize patients. We can, uh, you know, encourage them to walk. We don't have to just wait for a physio to come along to do that. Exactly. Exactly the same principle. It would be a similar kind of thing. And I like, I like the idea of food as medicine. You know, we'd, we'd shudder to think if a patient missed a tablet or they didn't get their antibiotic or, or something like that, and yet they, they skip lunch to go down to x-ray, they get fasted for too long for theatre, and we tend not to pay much attention to it. That's right. Certainly, in my era, I think it is, uh, it is often overlooked. Um, so what's next? What, 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 what are we doing to, to make it better? Well, as you know, we're trying to get this hip fractures print up and running, so hopefully that'll be out in the next year and then after that we're also looking at uh, already doing some there's already some really good stuff happening across ANZ hip fracture registry sites it's a matter of just consolidating those things and getting a bit more uptake from everybody involved um, I'm also in the middle of uh, uh, co-editing a textbook on geriatrics 
for, and nutrition care for interdisciplinary staff with a particular focus on nursing staff, but it is interdisciplinary. So that'll keep me busy. And uh, definitely keeping on working with patients and their teams to try and work out if enteral tube feeding actually adds value in hip fracture or not. Yeah, to actually test it out. And, and what Jack was referring to there about the sprint audit is that uh, he's planning to do an audit of uh, um, sites in the hip fracture registry, um, looking at the lay of the land. What, what happens uh, to these patients? How, how are they being assessed? What are we doing for them with, with regards to malnutrition? And that's an important starting point. I think, to see where to go next. Great. Jack, thanks for joining us and thanks for contributing to, to the program. And I'll see you later on. Okay, thanks, Ian. Ciao. Find the lecture version of this talk at www.anzhfr.org and stay tuned for further HipCast episodes.